0: plushcarecom slash loss
1: Hi, I'm John McEnroe. I'm Bjorn Borg. This
0: is Martina Navratilova.
1: I'm Mats Wilander. I'm Stan Wawrinka. This is Mary Carillo. I'm Andy Murray. And you're listening to the Tennis Podcast. <laughs>
2: It's only day two of the Australian Open, and Catherine has just walked over with a, another Video announcement,
3: on. Harriet Dart
1: is
2: now on her way to interview room two. OK, well, Catherine, uh, <laughs> Catherine is here, and Harriet Dart is on her way to interview room two. And just to finish the sentence, before I was so rudely interrupted, um, Catherine, just before we came on air, said, I'm off to the bar to get emergency beers. It's only, it's only day two of the Australian Open. But to put it into some sort of context... How many matches have we had today, Matt? Or how many did
1: they have on the schedule? Scheduled ninety-six. Ninety six?
3: Matt's genuinely I've I've really stressed out. I've about had it. a
1: really stressful day.
2: He, I thought that was a joke, but you do look quite stressed.
1: I,
3: I thought it was a joke as well. But I, I but I sat Matt next to Matt all day and it's
1: I find yeah. too many tennis matches extremely stressful and just makes me anxious because there's too many to follow and I end up not following any but in so the depth I would need like to. Like to. All of them. I know but they're there they're on the schedule. This
2: is a man who does not enjoy manic Monday.
1: Correct.
3: That's I feel the same about manic Monday but that's because all of those matches because of the stage of the tournament are,
1: are pretty relevant. But I feel like today there was as many relevant matches as on a as on a manic Monday.
3: Okay, but given you, that there were you 96, you made the more relevant than it needed to be, Matt. You've you've made your own bed there.
2: <laughs> I mean, Matt, we're talking well, about that now. You were hanging on every ground stroke. I mean, we did have this out, Matt,
1: when you picked it, didn't we? And uh, it was so winnable. Oh, it was so winnable. Yeah.
2: So just to remind everybody, Matt predicted that Marta Vondrusheva would reach the quarterfinals of the Australian Open. This feels very Kuzmova. Yeah, I seem Um, to be
1: jinxing the overs every Australian Open.
3: She hasn't won a Grand Slam match since reaching the French Open final.
1: Right. Okay.
2: And look, that's a horrendous first round draw, really, isn't it? Svetlana Kuznetsova. Hence why I thought it was an absurd prediction. Well, I I mean, I don't mean to rub it in. (laughs) It was the last stages at the
3: second set. You're doing a pretty bad job
1: of not rubbing it in. I did say that I do struggle to make predictions when there's a tough first round, and yet I went for it anyway, so <laughs> I'm obviously just an idiot.
3: I'm marginally irritated because it's, it's, it's significantly more important to me that David doesn't win <laughs> than it is that I win any yes. sort of predictions O'Reilly contest. Riley O'Reilly Pelk is so. out. Yep.
1: Which is good news. Yeah, that we're
2: doing daily department. predictions as well, obviously in the newsletter, which you can sign up to and, and, and laugh at if but you would like to.
1: Wasn't Riley Opelka in your quarterfinals as well?
2: Oh, crikey. that's yeah. the look
1: of a man who's forgotten. That. <laughs> I had
2: forgotten that. There was a moment. Was, born a was in mind. There was a moment, therefore, that I would have had Riley Opelka out. Uh, and,
3: uh, who
2: else did I have Daniel today? Collins. Daniel Collins at the who I've got in the semi-finals was at one point one set all and looking very dodgy. It did look ropey. For and me. then my champion Daniel Medvedev suddenly <laughs> suddenly went uh, one set all with Francis Tiafo and then I was particularly concerned. Uh, should, should we start there? Um, sure. that, that was a cracking match, wasn't it? Um, yeah, you
3: said the atmosphere was crackling. It was. Laver Arena. Yeah, it was. There,
2: there was. It was. A, there was a sort of big match feel to mm. that mm. because obviously everybody's still just getting to know Daniel Medvedev and becoming aware that he's a real contender for these titles. Pretty much whenever he turns up now, and fourth seed, given the prime time first night session match, and people remember francis tiafo from here last year when he reached the quarterfinals and he beat dimitrov didn't he and there were those wonderful scenes where he's ripping off his shirt and flexing his muscles and he's had a pretty shocking time since then he's not won many matches and yet he came out here and i really liked the way he just stood toe to toe with medvedev and challenged him to a physical match just said i'm going to chase everything down and if it's there to be blasted i'm blasting it
3: which is, of course, playing to his strengths, isn't he? I mean, he is this incredible athlete. I mean, two more different body types on one court together you probably wouldn't ever see. It's, it's amazing that tennis allows two, two human beings of such completely diametric op- opposite body types to, to compete <clears throat>
1: compete equally. and thrive
3: compete and thrive yeah it's wonderful it's similar to you know the golf Venus thing yesterday mm. I mean it's a sport that just accommodates sort of all spectrum of everything which is just brilliant and wonderful Um yeah, I I mean, my eyes are very light-sensitive at the moment, but I genuinely had to put sunglasses on to cope with Francis Tiafoe's T-shirt. <laughs>
2: yeah, it was fluorescent red, wasn't yeah. it? Yeah, your eyes started watering.
3: Your eyes <laughs> <He> started crying <laughs> at the sight of his T-shirt.
2: Uh, and he, he had those shorts on. Those. I mean, this is Nike's doing, everybody. Uh, the, the what well,
3: Grigor Dimitrov's doing, apparently. He designed it.
2: Right, well, the shorts are... Uh, they look like they've they've been first of all it looks like a pair of white shorts that's been put in the wash with that red shirt and it's and it's just scented a sort of pale pink. And then it looks like somebody's put them down on the ground and thrown about three cans of paint at them, <laughs> different colours. That's
1: that's what it looks like. But there's two versions of the shorts because there's the ones that TFO was wearing where the pattern's on the outside and it's extremely bright, and they're the ones that Carl Edmund and Felix Auger-Aliassime were wearing where the patterns actually on the inside, and I can't cope with and this. You, and you can't properly see it. I think it's unless it's, you it's do sort a
3: of really and turn bold your and not very up, bold, which is totally a, like this is what the cool kids are doing. <laughs>
2: he did actually look pretty cool. I thought TFO
3: Oh yeah, he pulls it off.
1: And, oh.
2: it, and I, he just it was just such a like, cool match.
1: It was the best tennis tifo played since Miami last year. I, I feel pretty confident tiafo with tiafo saying that. Drilled.
2: I found it really interesting. There was a moment where Medvedev was at the net, and Tiafo drilled successive ground strokes right at his belly button, and uh, and Medvedev won one of them. I mean, it was virtually self defence, and he managed to sort of frame this volley winner. Uh, Tiafo applauded him, and um, and, and Medvedev apologised for the winner. I, I did think that that could ignite some almighty row to be honest because it was <laughs> such a violent ground stroke but the, the spirit between them was really good
1: the thing that medvedev medvedev gets most annoyed about is when players don't apologize for hitting a neck cord in in the middle of a rally that was what initially sparked the shapovalov uh bullshit russian occasion and it's you what mean sorry with and it's also what sparked the He's argument... It's
3: Canadian match. <laughs> yeah. Get it
1: right. <laughs> and it's also what sparked... It's been a long day. 96 <laughs> matches. It's also what sparked <laughs> the... <out> friend, <laughs> actually, there are only 88 in the end. They had to cancel eight. Um, it's, it's also what He
3: was crossing them off the
1: <laughs> It's also the incident with Schwartzmann at the HB Cup was caused by that because he was annoyed with Schwartzman for not apologising for hitting a neck cord in the middle of a rally, which is a perfectly normal thing.
3: So his, his policy is thing. beating the umpire's chair with your racket is fine but failing to submit a faux apology for a net cord is a violation yeah. beyond the pale. His policy
2: <laughs> is also it's okay to be maimed by a forehand but it's not okay to not apologise yeah. if you get a lucky neck cord.
3: He, um, he wasn't afraid to come to the net himself, TFO, was he? Actually,
1: vo- volleys was a real theme yeah. of the match. Like The way they both volleyed really well, we were yeah. really struck by that.
3: Mm.
2: So um, that happened, and before that, 600 matches happened. Uh, what caught your eye?
3: Well, um, a few things. Particularly a first set... School line between Garbini Muguruza, two-time Grand Slam champion, and Shelby Rogers, six love in Shelby Rogers' favour. So Matt and I saw that and thought, let's trek out to court three, see what's what over there.
1: Which admittedly isn't much of a trek. It is the, it, it, it is the nearest <laughs> no, court the to the media centre. also made that an
3: appealing option. Um, and I've no idea what happened in that first set to cause Garbini Muguruza to lose it six love. But after we arrived, she lost... One game. One game in the subsequent two sets. So it remains a mystery to us how on earth she lost the first set six love. Right. Because, I mean, she she wasn't brilliant, it has to be said, in in those... uh, I mean, it was low quality all around. But, I mean, yeah, how, how... how it can have been so completely different? There was not um, a point. There was
1: not a point in that tennis match when it was close.
3: No. <laughs> it was a three-set tennis match. Media announcement: for that Sassy was, Joy is now in interview room two. Oh,
1: good. Right on am way. It
3: was a th- it was a three-set tennis match. <laughs> 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 um
1: Marion Klich was in interview area six earlier.
3: Which isn't it's. It's not a room, is it? If you're it's, in an it's, area. It's just that's basically it's a, a chair in it's the a corridor. De- it's a desk with one stool. <laughs>
2: <laughs> no offence to Miss Doi incidentally, who's just battled for three hours with with Harriet Dart and Harriet Dart got Britain a winner, um, because uh, and Britain has been a bit short of winners today. Uh, three players: Conta, Edmund and uh, both lost in straight sets, as did Bolt Katie Bolter, although she played pretty well against Alina Svitolina and, and forced a tiebreak from 5-2 down. Then Cameron Norrie had a four-hour epic, which he should have won because he was two sets to one up, and it looked like he was going to win in four against pierre Gribert, and then Hubert came back and won. And then Harriet Dart went toe-to-toe with Misaki Doi, and it was, it was cracking stuff out there.
3: She's got real um, attitude on court, Harriet Dart, hasn't she? She looks like a sort of... English rose type um shrinking violet and then she gets out there and actually she's got some real spunk about her brings it yeah she really does and that's in, a good in, win yeah she's got sass
2: she now faces Samantha Hallap
1: yes and we watched Quite a lot of that match against Jennifer Brady. We well, we we certainly saw the end of the first set, which was the best moment really. And we,
3: I think three separate matches today. We we saw upsets brewing and thought, oh, we'll head there, and then the upsets faded. Yes, immediately our upon our
2: arrival. Is that good or bad? The upset
1: killer.
3: I mean, I'm pairing. I'm pleased, pleased Hallep's still in because yeah. she's in my final. Oh, <laughs> she's in your final. Is she? Yeah. I think, right. I
2: think we need to stop talking about predictions. Matt's looking... A, he looks a bit... But she's still in. Flustered.
3: She's still in. She, <laughs> it's
2: not she good for your injury, health, She had an injury is.
3: timeout to start the second set, but was uh, she seems she she physically okay, yeah. I think. Um, 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 she said after the match that she had felt really weird in Adelaide last year. She didn't... Uh, last week. Oh. Marco Cecinato is on his way to interview room five.
2: Oh, there's a five.
3: That's, yep. that's, that's higher than Kielic. That's a, that's a desk <laughs>
1: with... Oh, there it is. I <laughs> should say,
3: well, given,
2: given we're talking about Marco Cecchinato, thank you to the announcer, <laughs> um, what a player he is. I mean, he didn't win. He lost in straight sets to Alexander Zverev. But, I mean, he should have won a set for a start. He was five, three up a second set. But I just mean in terms of the... Here's. Tennis is so good to look at. Single-handed backhand. Every shot hit with a purpose, whether it be a slice or a a drive or a drop shot. He
1: loves a drop shot. He's
2: just a beautiful player to watch, Marco Ciccinato.
3: But I'm sure he'd rather be a less beautiful player to watch and, and win more matches. I'm sure.
2: I'm just saying I don't feel like I've watched him, certainly on a hard court before, and watching him play against kind of a ball machine in Zverev and just watch them it, do their thing. It was
3: unconvincing from Zverev, it's, wasn't
2: it? It, w- it was unconvincing, and yet I f- kind of felt that he would probably feel pretty satisfied with that because it was shaping up to be mm. classic mm. Zverev
1: yeah. Because it's a straight set's set. win. He, yeah. he gave <laughs> himself every opportunity to turn that into an unnecessary epic, epic fifth set, yeah. which you pointed out earlier, David. You said how many times has Zverev been two sets up in a slam and ended up in a fifth set and the answer's four and it was all last year so it's so those memories are so sort of yeah. vivid in our mind because it just feels like every time he plays at a slam that's what happens I at mean
2: the I, I was covering the match on 5 Live we were sort of trying to stay across we had a five hour period where we literally had all of us th- all three of us um, commentators watching different matches I was on his and I mean I kind of made what I thought was I mean it was a pathetic little gag but, that uh, <laughs> that yeah he's won the first set so I'll see you in about three hours because I kind of felt we'd still be there it's a, it's mm. a decent gag about three hours later <laughs> um, but, but the fact is he got the job done in straight sets and, and it wasn't great but that's that's what is it you call it hashtag growth growth oh, yes
3: God. Um, did he I call, pledged $10,000 so to, to start the story from the beginning uh, tennis players have been doing this pledging money for aces or whatever it might be to, to bush bushfire relief in Australia and tagging other players I don't know what the genesis is of how they decided which players to tag like Sharapova tagged Djokovic and one presumes there was some prior discussion because otherwise other- you're just <laughs> otherwise setting <laughs> up your colleague but, to donate well, 25 grand but then Belinda Bencic invited alexander zverev to pledge some money for all of his double faults which
1: a bit me. which because well, that's what she's doing because
3: that's what she's doing exactly right. so providing him with an opportunity to sort of look heroic in two ways a to look um self-depreciating and have a bit of a laugh at himself and b to pledge some money's bushfire relief and he elected just to ignore <laughs> that no reply no quote tweet not even a retweet not even a like <laughs> <laughs> um, but he maybe oh, he's
2: doing a surpass detox. No, there's been other no,
3: tweets. he is not doing a More of that later. Have there
2: been personal tweets or have they been managed tweets? tweets
1: yeah.
3: I don't tweets. know. I don't think throwing shade at Kyrios is a managed tweet. Anyway, yeah, after the match, don't even know who edit. that is. I think the
2: shade has been he, thrown by Kyrios, hasn't it?
3: Oh, I mean, th- th- the fires have been stoked on both sides. Anyway. He asked for the mic after his standard on-court interview and pledged, I mean, brilliantly, but slightly confusingly, it's $10,000 per match win if he doesn't win the tournament, but his full prize money if he does win the tournament.
2: And, and he, he, he did say, as a, a little caveat, I know I'm not the favourite, <laughs> <laughs> but which fair play to him. But, I mean, goodness me, what a pledge that is. That, oh, yeah. That if he would have got I mean... That's three and a half million dollars, you know, but fantastic.
1: And, and he's always been really good at the encore interviews, I think, Zverev. I think yeah. that's actually where he comes into his own. I yeah. remember that one after the um, I- incident with the ball kid when he beat Federer at the ATP Finals in 2018. Oh, yeah. And he just handled that whole situation brilliantly in a way that we often don't think he does in the actual media room. Um, no,
2: he's very self-deprecating in, um, in those
1: in situations. Yeah.
3: I said self-depreciating didn't you I? You did, yeah. Oh, Which,
1: well, It's alright, 96 matches. <laughs> <laughs> you've referenced it matches. now. 88. Um, it's interesting that you that one of your main takeaways from that match was about Checcionato because I find when I watch Zverev matches at the, wo- at the moment, I can't focus on anything other than Zverev. He himself is his his own massive kind of saga at the moment, and ball of angst. Yeah, and I just I'm waiting for something to happen, and it doesn't really matter what the opponent's doing in my mind. I know that's a probably it's the wrong way of watching the match, but it's just it's just what happens to me at the moment when when he's on court.
2: Mm, yeah, he, but he got through, you know, and that's uh, that's good going. Incidentally, he. He tried a tweener.
3: (laughs) (laughs) This is where the shade has happened.
2: Yeah, so the the origin of the shade is that uh, Zverev gave those sort of slightly um, chippy quotes about Kyrgios not being the best young player around anymore and there are a lot more good players around. Uh, To which the moment Kyrgios saw the video of the failed... Airshot tweener of Alexander Zverev. He he tweeted himself that, uh, yeah, I know I'm not the best player around, but but I mean, if you're hitting tweeners like that,
1: shush, shush. shush. <laughs> but unfortunately, he spelt tweeners as tweeters. Yeah, and then subsequently deleted his tweet. Has he? Yeah, yeah. Oh, that's
2: disappointing. <laughs>
1: oh well, yeah, it was I a
3: rubbish tweener <laughs> attempt. Uh,
1: really poor. <laughs> the key with Kirios tweets is to. Screenshot them because yeah. they tend to disappear after five minutes. Where,
2: whereas Kyrgios, I, I noticed that he he I covered some of his matches. Well, he won in straight sets so against Lorenzo Sonego, correct. And he he actually hopes to get lobbed. <laughs> you can see him thinking, "Please lob me, please lob me, just set me up." <laughs> I mean, which has to be. I mean, the, the only other person on the planet who does that is Mansour Bron <laughs> <laughs>
1: This is like and it a, actually is a setup. this is a grand
2: slam <laughs> and he's thinking like that so it you, is uh, fascinating
3: you said on a Kirioptimist Optimist group which is possibly Alive. more Kyrie Optimistic than ever before thriving um,
2: <laughs> mostly due to your brother
3: yeah he's sold Foot line and Singer he's like all the um, Australian journalists in the radio room Alongside Matt and I Who are I've heard the phrase A corner turned <laughs> More times than I can count Today Right Yeah okay, So I'm referenced in it Curios Yes By the Australian press
2: But that I mean he, he um, did look good though Curios He really didn't he?
3: looked good It was very Focused performance he, he referred In his post-match Press conference That we went to To how pleased he was With his focus And it was a very It was a pretty Chippy press conference Um chippy curious yeah but i i interpreted it as well just a continuation of his focus he doesn't want to get baited mm. into anything i think he knows how easily baited he is <laughs> <laughs> and he, finally yeah and didn't just was just Pitting everything off at, at the pass, you know, just r- r- defensive from the off.
2: I'm quite enjoying how he and John McIner have now become a bit of an item, and they're, they're which
3: McIner has been wanting for years. Oh yeah, absolutely. Years.
2: And Curious has just really just not been interested yeah. until they <laughs> met up, and he realised, you know what? Actually, he is kind of cool in his own way, even if he is a bit of an older bloke.
3: I don't think the age has been the. I, d- I don't know well it's
2: a classic because McEnroe clearly wanted it Kyrgios therefore could not possibly entertain it because it's it. not
3: cool to want something yeah, too much that's right exactly.
2: but now he's realised he can be the bigger man by just accepting a little bit of of uh
3: you know well money John McEnroe is pledging one thousand dollars for every set won by Nick Kyrgios this tournament
2: I think Kyrgios was quite touched well he was he literally speechless yeah
3: yeah. Literally speechless. Didn't say too much about it in press. He just said, yep, that's great. Really, you know, just didn't want to get drawn on anything
1: mm. in press. He was wearing a bandana.
3: Yeah. Which yeah.
1: our, um, we have a colleague, friend who works at ATP and was going to do an interview with Kyrios afterwards. and that And that interview got... Turned down in the end and it didn't happen. And and our colleague said that he was relieved it didn't happen because he was going to have to ask Kiros to take his bandana off. <laughs> Which Why? given
2: Why be- couldn't he do it with it on?
1: Because it wouldn't have It was
3: have, obscuring quite a lot of his face. Yeah, and
1: it and it was a it was a it was the camera and it wouldn't have it. it wouldn't, always
2: makes me laugh when tennis players do interviews in caps and <laughs> you, you literally can't see them face still. They've got a shadow over them. Cameraman you
3: know? despair of that. What good's this? You can see their faces drop when the player walks in in a cap. <laughs> and you know they're not going to remove it because it's on for sponsor reasons. and yeah,
2: Or oh, cool reasons.
3: He really was good though, Kyrgios. Plays mm. either Simon or Cuevas next. Mm. I think that match is still going on, despite it being past midnight.
2: Yes. They yes. E- either one of those matches is going to be trick-shot-tastic, isn't it? Because Simon is a ball massager and he will just keep it going forever and it kind of feeds Kyrios. I think it could be quite tricky for Kyrios. Mm, there's and a
1: little bit of Bautista about Simon.
2: Yeah. And Cuevas cool. is, is just another
1: trick-shot artist. So He's carved
3: out a little niche for himself, hasn't he? Cuevas is a
1: trick-shot guy. He beat Federer in the Wimbledon Online Poll. Best shot of the decade, one of the, the many decade Madrid. lists, and you did know... he beat
3: Joe Salisbury? <laughs>
1: yes, but I mean, Federer was was winning all the internet polls over the over the winter, and he couldn't even beat Pablo F- Cuevas. Yeah,
3: F- that GQ. If, if, if it's the GQ poll you're referring to, it's single-handedly made an absolute ridicule, absolute ridicule. If the concept of polls. <laughs>
2: Nothing wrong with poles. Um, was it better than my?
3: He's ju- he's not clearly not more stylish than <laughs> Timothy Chalamet
2: Was it? Was it better than my shin high <laughs> fading backhand volley punched away against you, Matt?
1: <sighs> Wasn't that good? I mean, I have so no spe- words. For speaking that shot. of which,
3: before we get back to the the proper tennis, we uh, bumped into Simon Briggs today, and Briggs versus Roberts is on. Is Very it? much on this yeah. fortnight.
2: Briggs has got a bit of a losing streak going
3: on about it. Yeah. I think he spied the opportunity for a win, but then I showed him She's or Matt him. showed him footage of Roberts versus Law and he started to look just a little bit nervous. Can we just sort of
2: <laughs> move on to, to Roberts against Elena Crooks instead? Because that sounds like it'd be far more competitive.
1: <laughs> really? Do you think cut out Briggs? Yeah. <laughs> cut I mean, out the middleman. Well why don't I just play Briggs? <laughs> It's going to be embarrassing if I lose now.
3: (laughs) But I think... I haven't got my racket. Yeah. I've
1: got Simon's spare, which apparently has factory strings, which are almost broken.
0: Get up to 60% off during Burrow's Memorial Day sale at burrow.com slash ACAST. That's burrow.com slash ACAST. Burrow.com slash ACAST.
2: Hello, Tennis Podcast listeners. David here. Now, you might know that I love a bit of cooking, and I think I'm quite good at it. But if I'm honest, even I get fed up trying to work out what to do every night. That's where Home Chef comes in. two early matches today Karolina Pliskova beat Kristina Mladenovic 6-1, 7-5
3: slightly disappointing that it
2: almost got going almost yeah. caught
3: fire but then didn't mm. and then
2: Donna Vekic absolutely wiped the floor with Maria Sharapova which uh, which rather disappointed me from a prediction standpoint um, but goodness she was impressive and that was pretty ominous from Sharapova um, I, I'm not saying she can't get going because the problem is she clearly needs repetition of matches and the body keeps breaking down when she tries to play matches or she loses and so she doesn't get any.
1: She's won three matches since last year's Australian Open.
3: She's just not good enough at the moment to compete at the top level. But She's so outside you, the world's top 300. It needs a
2: full rebuild then, doesn't it? It needs sort of going down to maybe international level tournaments mm. or, or, and, and beating lower grade yeah. players, but she can't stay fit. So, you know, how are you going to do that? So, and actually, it just felt to me as though maybe she might be realising it.
3: Well, she said after the match she didn't know if she'd be back here. She also said that she doesn't intend intend to play the Olympics um, and has signed up to play World Team Tennis um, over the period where the Olympics will be played. She's slightly strange because, I mean, she wouldn't, she wouldn't, she's way off qualifying for the Olympics. Um, I know wild cards are available, but she's not got a particularly rosy relationship with the ITF. So, um, yeah, I'd be surprised. But uh, I mean, if she's, I don't know, is she, is she thinking about sort of how she wants to retire? Mm. And, and do you think she'll be able to, you know, she's struggling to win any matches at the moment? Is it? Do you think she's going to be able to sort of script her retirement? I'm, I'm not so question, sure. good I question.
2: I don't know. I'm tr- I, s- I often try and think about this with certain players. Wozniacki's method of retirement, of announcing it ahead of time and having coming into this and knowing she'll get a great send-off at a tournament that she won. I, I, I'm not surprised in the least about that. Um, I think Federal will probably have a lap of honour, effectively. Um, but I'm not sure about Sharp over. I'm really not sure. And
1: that same topic came up today with Joe Wolf Songa. I heard, the as you've already referenced, the many French radio journalists sitting around us saying that Songa apparently s- kind of spoke today publicly a little bit about retirement for the first time to the French press, saying that he really wants to retire on his own terms, obviously, but he's coming to the realisation that actually... What's more likely to happen is that his body is going to determine it for him because he had to retire today against Alexi Popperin. And he's been really struggling with injuries over yeah. the past few years. It's and
2: quite sad, isn't it, when you see that and um, players that just the body doesn't cope anymore with what they're asking of it. Mm.
1: And Songa Just so athletic and so... You know, his body, in a way, has been his greatest mm. strength on the court. What he was able to do with it—diving around all the place—and to think that that is gone yeah. is really quite sad.
2: Well, and, and when you see players in later life, in their fifties, sixties, and some of them, you know, are really struggling to get around, mm. um, and you wonder with some of these players, given what they're asking of their bodies, what they'll be like in later life. I mean, Songer as well. This tournament is just synonymous with him. I remember it's the first time I ever saw him play. He played Andy Roddick, and he had uh, the most incredible tie-break, about 1917 tie-break in a first set. And it was you saw the explosiveness, you saw the athleticism. This would be maybe 12 months before he had the run to the final here. Mm-hmm. And then when he had the run to the final here in... Let's not forget, he absolutely thrashed Rafael Nadal in the semifinals. He threw him around like a rag doll, and he was going into the net, and he was doing diving volleys, and as you said, it, it, he was such an exciting player uh, in his in his heyday. And I think you slightly forget that. I mean, he's still good to watch, mm. but he was so exciting back then, and I I kind of feel that he didn't completely fulfil his potential um, right. I think what he could do. I think
1: Christopher Clary put up on Twitter this week the best, who he thinks of this era, the best player not to have won a slam in terms of their potential at their absolute best. And he was kind of thinking of it as a bit of a race between team and Songa. Um, and he thought
3: Pliskova in, uh, in the women's.
2: Do you know, I remember coming out of the commentary box when Songa beat nadal and i personally was massively uplifted by the performance he'd put in and and i felt we've got a new star of the game i remember getting into the the elevator that takes us from the top floor down to the 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 ground level and i was in a, a lift with i think all of the espn commentators the american commentators who were all absolutely devastated it was like a it was almost funereal in the 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 lift because the next night it was going to be Djokovic against Federer. So everybody was hyping Federer-Nadal mm. as, a, as a final. And yet, and then Songer goes and beats Nadal. And people was, in this lift were so upset about it. Um, and I, I was thinking, how could you not be uplifted by what you've just seen from Joe Wilfred songer and then, a, a, and then Djokovic went and beat Federer as well. Um, yeah, just a little memory. Mm. Uh, nadal won today against hugo delian uh pretty straightforwardly um, five lost, games lost yes lost only. five games yes uh, dominic team won straight sets against adrian manorino
1: he was good really good i'm 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 high on team at the moment you are aren't you? i am yeah i'm feeling good about team
2: uh, we also I mean, had Simona Halep 7-6-6-1. Halep took a, a really heavy fall against Jennifer Brady. It was a close first set, and then she, and actually, she fell at five-six, or just before it went to five-six. Yeah, and then she took was, a long medical timeout was, at five-six.
1: That's right. Yeah, and then uh, wrist the, problem, I it. And then, so Jennifer Brady served for the. Set at six yes. five, and then had it broke back, got it to a tie break, and won the tie break. And it was a it was a really high quality period of the match. Uh, Jennifer Brady, obviously in great form, having beaten Ash Barty in Brisbane, and she's got a heck of a forehand, Jennifer Brady. I mean, I, I don't know the the stats on this, but I would imagine that she's got one of the more kind of topspin heavy forehands in the women's game. She really gets a lot of racket head speed and Hallett was certainly had her running shoes on she was scampering across the baseline and just I find Hallett so compelling to watch when she's in that mood because she will chase everything down and you you kind of see her inter, her internal struggle becomes very visible because she just berates herself if she can't make this ball that is actually really hard to get back but yeah. she expects so much of herself she's in that, in that mood she's one of my favourite players to watch Halle.
2: Ernest Gorbis won today against Felix Ogier Aliasin
3: oh who saw that coming
2: <laughs> why did I bring that up Gorbis <laughs> uh, is fascinating isn't he What a case study. I remember looking up his ranking. When he got a big win at Wimbledon a year or two ago, I looked up his year-end ranking for the last sort of 12 years. And it's, I mean, if you did it as a graph, it'd just be a massive, great big zigzag because he he would go down to 120 in the world and then up to 24 in the world and then down to 92 in the world. Um, And here he is out of nowhere, really, beating Ojeali Asim, who's having a few growing pains at the moment, isn't he?
3: Yeah, I mean... He's still waiting for that Moment. big result, that big breakthrough. The What's going
1: wrong? I, I don't know. I, it, it, it staggers me that he's the twentieth seed because mm. I kind of think, what has he, what has he done? I know he's reached, I think, th- is it three tour level finals and, and not managed to win. And you know, those are. Obviously, good result. announcement, but time
2: change. Gilles Simon will be in interview room three at one a.m. One a.m. That's the sort of time we're talking about, folks. Eighteen minutes <laughs> time. Did Gilles Simon win? I yes, think he, he must did. Have done, yeah. Six one six three six three. That's tough
3: are. for Kyrgios.
1: Mm. Yeah. Anyway, ATP Cup captain.
2: You could imagine Gilles Simon just draining yeah. the life out of a match with Kyrgios, and
3: delighting in it,
2: and and just sort of. S- like scraping yeah. a chalkboard you know, just, <laughs> just winding Kyrios <sighs> up I- irritating the crowd and just making the whole thing thoroughly he uncomfortable he can't
3: get irritated though yeah. he's on probation but and how, probation suits him
2: how does Kyrios beat Simon though that's the question does he have to try to blast his way through him or what does he do to, to make that work it's quite difficult, isn't it, to think of the best tactic that... don't think Kyrgios is doing tactics. <laughs> he's quite good at the old tactics, in a sort of let's-just-make-it-up-as-we-go-along kind of way.
1: Yeah, I think he, try, he tries to put on the idea that he's not thinking tactically, but I think he is a lot of the time. One
2: previous match between the two, Kyrgios has won it 6-4, 7-6 oh. in Washington this year when
1: he won the title.
3: Ah, interesting.
1: And he was yeah. very much in... Chaotic tennis mode in Washington. I yeah. mean, most of the matches he played there were circuses, really.
2: Thing is, Simon is quite happy to go five sets, isn't he? And just drag it out, <laughs> squeeze the life out of it. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so that's uh, that's all to come. <laughs> um, I, I, I just have a feeling that the, we're waiting for Kyrgios against Hatchinov We're waiting for Kyrgios against Nadal. Yeah. <laughs> it's yeah, just, does it feel been, familiar? We've been there's, here before. There's a big saga coming, isn't it? Uh, so right, any other match results that we need to talk about?
1: Have we talked about the Brits
2: much No, we had a quick mention. Um, yeah, Harriet Dart did well. Yeah, we've we've done that. It was all a bit disappointing from a British perspective today. Edmund and Conter didn't really.
1: But, but at the same time, neither were that surprising. I mean, no, I mean, from a Conta perspective, she just she's hadn't had the, played. She's had the knee problem. She's of had course. the knee problem, and she,
3: to be fair, she lost to Andre Baur in Eastbourne. Eastbourne. Mm. You know, that's a even fit. That's just a bad matchup for yeah. her. It's, she, a,
1: it's a style of play. If you ever get chance to, to disrupt see Conta,
2: if you ever get a chance to see Andre play, take the opportunity. Yeah, she's
3: a treat, isn't she? She's
2: just a ball player, you know. Yeah. And and what I mean by that is Conta's whacking these kind of precision ground strokes deep onto the baseline and then suddenly out of nowhere Gibelle will just play an a- audacious drop shot as though she's not really looking where it's mm. going but mm. she knows exactly where it's going <laughs>
1: yeah
3: <laughs> yeah she's but, great fun
1: I mean from a Carl Edmund perspective I found the three set loss to Lejevic on one level it was it was a loss that Lejevic was playing well he's been in good form it was an acceptable loss but on the other hand it was everything it was the most damning Kyle Edmund stat yet again the fact that when he's two sets to love down he has never won the third set Mm. he's lost all the matches where he's gone two sets to love down in three sets and I know it you know, if, you, if you're going to lose in three or five, perhaps it doesn't really matter. But I just think that points to someone who is slightly unable to problem-solve on court. It, it's all the same with Kyle Edmund. Whenever he plays, it, every match is he plays the same kind of tennis. There's not much variety or, variety or texture in his game. And if, if an opponent's figured him out, he's figured him out.
2: The, the one thing I... St- I'm surprised about though, is when I think back two years ago to when he reached the semis, he he won a few matches the hard way in the
1: heat, five sets. Yeah, absolutely. If he splits the first two sets, he's fine. But it's when he goes two sets down that I think it's over.
3: Physical endurance isn't a problem. I mean, some have suggested that he works sort of too hard, that he's too fastidious, he's too. neurotic almost about that side of that side of the game I don't know if that's the case at all I don't see what he does in the gym I don't I just I, I know that he seems fit enough mm-hmm. um, I think it's the the mental staying power that's that's a challenge for him and and we don't we don't um, give enough weight to, to mental ta- you know mentality is a talent just as much as you know, physical talent and, and technical talent
1: And also, just having those extra layers in your game. You know, we don't think of Fabio Fanini, for example, as necessarily the most mentally strong tennis player, but he today recorded what was it, his eighth or ninth Ninth. victory from Two Sets to Love Down in his career.
3: He's done it at all four slams, which only seven seven players have done, including him.
1: Wow. You know, and that and it, it just points to someone who's able to change it up mm. you know and he didn't need to and, do it today did it and he? bring a bit of energy
3: it's interesting not the, the players that Charlie were on Falcon. that list weren't necessarily all ones that you think of mental think of as mental fortresses
1: no but they were ones with sort of extra elements to their mm. game federer exactly. was on there the exactly. Dasco was on there who yeah. is definitely not a mental fortress it was
3: it was players with gears with
1: gears exactly mm. and edmund for me doesn't really have gears yeah. It's all on one level.
3: Oh, well. <laughs>
1: <laughs> Better luck next time, Carl. I told you I was in a bad mood today. Let's have a look at tomorrow.
2: Let's forget today. Matt can't handle any more today. Petra Kvitova plays uh, in the first match of the it's, day. It's
3: hard to pick any upsets tomorrow.
2: Yeah, we had well, a bit on of... On all the,
3: all the main courts, it, it all looks... I mean, obviously, you never know, but it looks pretty straightforward. Well, you asked me about courts. an
2: hour ago for my upset prediction of the day that mm. we do in our newsletter which you can get um and i was really struggling yeah. and i was going we down to court 17 and i <laughs> ended, ended up coming up with katie mcnally over zhang shui which yeah. i'm not even sure is an upset i was
3: trying to th- figure out whether coco goff over saranica stay was an upset of course I, it's not i abandoned ship on that no i know i know and i didn't go for it because it's not um so Clap. what did i go for James Duckworth. No, no, no. no. <laughs> That's the second time I've said the wrong Australian for <laughs> so that prediction. Jordan, Thompson. Jordan Thompson. They're
2: both the same,
1: aren't they? It's
3: the John Millman first time. Who did I say he'd beat? Fanini. Fanini, yeah. Who,
1: yes, Who has- the story on Fanini is that he's damaged his hand. We were watching his press conference and it's extremely red and I started feeling quite sorry for him.
3: It looked like he actually had um, some sort of pink bandage on his mm. hand it was that markedly mm. discoloured
1: turns out he's damaged it because he punched his own racket during the match <laughs> and injured it himself
3: that's the most on brand injury ever <laughs> apart from Guillemot apparently
1: injuring himself playing a video game <laughs>
3: <laughs> <laughs>
2: oh, I think I might injure myself doing a podcast <laughs> <laughs> uh, Petra Kvitsva against somebody called Paolo Badusa who I've never heard of, uh, from Spain. Uh, I'm going to get some tweets about how can I have never heard of a tennis player when I present the tennis podcast. So well done, me. Uh, Ash Barty plays uh, Polona Herzog, who I have heard of, from Slovenia. That could be quite interesting. That'll be a stylish match.
1: It was, well, Pliskova threw some shades towards Herzog today. <laughs> yeah? As, <laughs> as she does. What did she, what did she say? She was spotted talking to Kiki Modanovic before their match and a journalist asked them what they were talking about and He said well actually we were talking about the schedule because we saw a match on Melbourne Arena that we didn't think should be on there <laughs> 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 and it was Herzog against uh, Pettersson I think <laughs> which fair point
2: Finally. <laughs> <Blimey>. that's excellent <laughs> Uh, then after that, it's uh, Tatsuma Ito against Novak Djokovic. Uh, we have Serena Williams first in the night session against Tamara Zidansek, And then in the final match on, cent- on Rod Laver Arena, it is... Is it rog- Roger Federer? It is Roger Federer. What about that? Against Filip Krainovic uh, of Serbia.
1: Who played a very long five-setter today.
2: Mm. All right. Uh, Naomi Osaka's playing against uh, Zheng Sai Sai there is uh, that do you know what probably match of the day Caroline Wozniaki against Diana Yastrzemska agreed
3: yep th-
1: who's winning that I think uh, Yastrzemska
3: yeah I Although mean, is actually playing quite well at any other tournament sort of in the last six months I'd have s- kind of said Yastrzemska definitely but sort of the the force of the narrative and the the story with Wozniacki and that X Factor that's all giving her evens it out a bit but i still think your won, won very routinely yesterday she's definitely ready to fulfill the talent that you saw in her <laughs> nine months ago matt when she didn't
1: fulfill it then no
2: <laughs> when matt could have got some credibility out of it <laughs> uh koko goff against Veronica castella uh stephano sitzabas philip coltriber backhands a go-go over there Mm. Uh, I mean,
3: there's backhands a go go in all all matches. Yeah, but That's sing- single-handed backhands a go go.
2: Right, all right, go and drink your beer. Uh, the 1573 <laughs> Arena, which is an absurd name. And J-
3: John Milman gave some some promo to without naming them. He got himself in the right. Tizzy Tangle, press yeah. earlier. Did he? He said yeah, he was asked about the Aussie fans, he said, Yeah, I love them. The drunk, uh, they're really loud the they the, the, the um the beer sponsor on the court I'm on, that beer's really strong. So um, yeah <laughs> we they were all really they them. were all really drunk and that was great. But I'm not promoting binge drinking.
2: <laughs> <laughs> um, I've decided to rename Fifteen Seventy Three Arena. The new name is Court Four Yes <laughs> because there is no Court Four and that makes more sense. Okay, there's no Court Two either, right? No. Yeah, but there kind of is because you've got the Margaret Court Arena and you've got the Melbourne Arena. We've, we've got the top three courts. Okay. So this is Court Four, right?
3: But there is a Court Three.
2: Oh, just leave me alone.
3: <laughs> right. We'll be back with another
2: tennis podcast tomorrow. Uh,
3: we've this got is what happens when you're the predictions champion and you talk about it every second of every day.
2: We've got mascots for 2020. (laughs) One of them is Crumble for the Australian Open. Another one is Butler for the year. Anything else? Have we got any shout-outs today?
1: No, we safe for been tomorrow. been overwhelmed
3: with tennis okay.
2: Shout-outs tomorrow, folks, uh, for those that back our Kickstarter. Thank you all, uh, and thank you all for listening. I hope you're enjoying it, and we will be back tomorrow with more beers, with more announcements over the tannoy, no doubt. More, uh, they've left me one crisp. <laughs> a whole left, over they've, there, they've David. Both, they've had a full packet of crisps. They've left me one. Uh, so I'll, I'll go and enjoy that, and I'll speak to you tomorrow.